Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We uh, folks are constantly getting on the call, so we uh, will have more people joining us. I want to thank you all for joining us for this Wellness Wednesday conference call. I'm Dr. Shonda Garner-Brooks, the CEO of the Family Strong Foundation, the organization that hosts these calls. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Landry Evangeline United Way. Their financial sponsorship will allow these calls to go on at least until 2021. We'd also like to thank United Healthcare Community Plan. All of their support gives me the courage to continue these calls until 2021. I am very excited about today's uh, presentation. This call was picked up or duplicated, which is an honor. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So over in Mississippi, they have terrific Tuesdays. And on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock, they do basically what we're doing, provide information to folks during this time when we either are on information overload or, like me, information shutdown. And so I've been listening to their calls on Tuesday, and it's been helping me come up with ideas for our calls here on Wednesday because we've been doing these calls uh, every Wednesday since March 25th, and sometimes my creative juices kind of run low. When I was listening to their call, they had a, a speaker on from Tobacco-Free Living, and it was such an interesting presentation, so informative, and it was telling me things that I didn't know existed and telling me to consider things that I had not considered, that I reached out to our local tobacco-free coalition. And Ms. Renee Stansberry uh, graciously accepted to join us today. Renee Stansberry, Stansberry currently serves as the Louisiana Campaign for Tobacco-Free Living Region 4 Manager. Prior to her position as the regional manager, Ms. Stansberry served as Tobacco Control Coordinator at Southwest Louisiana Health Education Center, AHEC. Ms. Stansberry is a graduate of the best university in the state, University of Louisiana <laughs> at Lafayette, where she earned her bachelor's degree in education with an emphasis in health and wellness promotion. She has worked over the past 15 years on a variety of tobacco control products. She has assisted several school districts and healthcare facilities with the implementation of 100% tobacco-free policies. Promoted Louisiana cessation services, provided assistance and education to local municipalities with the adoption and implementation of tobacco-free city park ordinances and 100% comprehensive smoke-free ordinances and policies. Ms. Stansberry also served as a project coordinator for Tobacco-Free Healthcare Partnership Project in partnership with the Louisiana Department of Hospitals. We'd like to welcome Ms. Stansberry, and the time is yours, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for having me join you on your call today. Um, I'm always up to talk about tobacco prevention and um, educating individuals on new products, uh, the industry's tactics, and kind of what's going on in Louisiana around tobacco. So today I know I'm going to give a, 
a lot of information to you. Um, so I have a couple of handouts I will forward to you, Shonda, just for reference, and also provide my contact information at the end in case anybody had any follow-up questions or discussions or assistance that they may need. But whenever I tried to narrow down, because tobacco is very broad and, and very big in our state, whenever I, I was looking at what I'm going to talk about is I'm just going to generally talk a little bit about, you know, secondhand smoke. I know we all hear about it. What does that mean? Thirdhand smoke, that's something new um, that is coming out in the science and has been proven. Talk a little bit about vape products and then how all that ties in and what's going on in today um, in Louisiana with not only the pandemic but um, with the smoke-free effort that's going on in the state and kind of tie it all together for you. But the vision at um, Tobacco-Free Living is we envision a healthier Louisiana through 100% tobacco-free living. Our goal is we want to provide community education on the dangers of tobacco use, raise awareness about free uh, cessation services within Louisiana, and then to support local best practice strategies to protect the public's health from secondhand exposure. Some of the ways that we do this is we try to prevent Louisiana's youth from be beginning the use of tobacco because we know everyone struggles whenever they're trying to quit, but what's the best way to not have that is to just never start. And so that's what we're working to do. We also want to eliminate the exposure to secondhand smoke. You know, we have about, in Louisiana, about 1,000 people die per year um, just from secondhand smoke exposure themselves. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that secondhand smoke is. And we also promote tobacco cessation amongst young youth and young adults. We know that young adults, especially that beginning that 18 to 25-year-old age group, that is the first legal age group that the tobacco industry can target, even though they do things to target our youth. That is the age group that we're seeing a rise in uh, vape products and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we want to eliminate, identify and eliminate tobacco-related health disparities. We know there are communities that the industry is targeting more than other communities. We notice that when you go into certain neighborhoods and see all the advertisement. But we're trying to eliminate those. And then we also want to effectively facilitate coordination between tobacco control and prevention initiatives statewide. So that's working with our local partners and statewide partners. But let's talk about vape products, because I know that vape products is getting a lot of buzz, um, and I'm, I'm going to apologize. I have a train that's about to pass um, in front of my house, so you may hear a train off in the distance, so I apologize about that. Um, but whenever we look at vape products, I know you heard about a year ago a lot of the deaths that were associated um, with vape products. This was all over the news. Um, we had parents calling, school boards calling. Everybody had, um, were, were faced with an increase in vape products and then these deaths that were occurring. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But vaping is the act of inhaling or exhaling an aerosol, which is the vapor, produced by a vaping device or vaporizer. And you'll see many different shapes and sizes. Uh, one that was really popular is the Juul. Uh, now they have these puff bars. They have modules. Um, it's become kind of a culture amongst vape, vape users, and they're creating this atmosphere amongst their users. And vape users do not consider themselves as 
smokers. They consider themselves different. They consider it um, a healthier alternative. But basically what they're doing is um, we call these um, e-juices or juices or, 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 or e-liquids. These are the liquids that are going into these devices that are then vaporized. They're heated up from a battery, and then they're vaporized, and that's what they're inhaling. And so um, the heated liquid, again, goes by many different names um, that they're called, but most vaping liquids contain nicotine, a tobacco product, a byproduct, which is very addictive, and also has health consequences. And some of them contain what we call the, the new thing is the nicotine salt. Well, what is a nicotine salt? It basically allows you to vape at a higher nicotine strength without getting that roughness in your throat. You know, um, for those of us who experimented with smoking back in the day, myself being one, you know that some of those um, tobacco products were very harsh when you inhaled them and it caused you to start coughing and and uh, suffering all these unpleasantries. So the nicotine salt um, allows the individual to increase the amount of nicotine that they're inhaling within their body, and it also increases the absorption rate. So a lot of these nicotine salts will, will increase the addictiveness of the product for the individual. And that was one of the things that we were seeing um, with the Juul and a lot of the new vape products that are coming out because the companies realized that by adding these nicotine salts, they could create a more addictive customer for their product. And as I was saying, there's many different shapes and sizes. I'm sure you can do a Google search or ask someone. You could probably notice them when you go into the convenience stores or the vape shops. There, there are a variety of different um, shapes and sizes. The e-nicotine, the e-liquids usually contain about 3 to 5% nicotine, and there are also other chemicals that are in it as far as diethylene glycol, which is um, an added ingredient in antifreeze. So there's still these other chemicals that are found in there that are going to increase your risk of developing some type of illness. And so what people don't realize is that those little, they kind of look like these little cards that snap on to kind of a stick. It looks like a flash drive. And that is what a lot of uh, the vape products look like that the younger generation are utilizing because they're cheaper. They're um, less expensive than the mod uh, versions of it, and so a lot of the youth are tending to use these. What they don't realize is those little pods that they clip onto their um, stick is equivalent to about a pack of cigarettes whenever you're looking at the nicotine levels and the chemicals involved in that. So if they're smoking a pod a day, they're a pack-a-day smoker, realistically. And then they also, if they're using two of them a day because they're increased in addictiveness, that's two packs a day. So they don't realize how much nicotine that they're taking in and what it's equivalent to. I also talk about those little black and mild Swisher Sweet cigars. What individuals don't realize with those is that's tobacco wrapped in tobacco. And so one of those are equivalent to three to four cigarettes. 
So that's why I hear sometimes people smoke less of those, but they're actually not smoking less. They're just getting all the dosage in, in, one, um, in one product. But the users with the vape products, the nicotine, what that does is it increases the heart rate, the blood flow, um, I mean the blood pressure, because it rest it's restricting the blood flow that's going through the body. And nicotine vapor contains toxic chemicals that are linked to heart and respiratory diseases. And remember that respiratory disease for later whenever we're talking about COVID. But the nicotine from vaping and other tobacco products can prime youth, the youth's brain for addictive drugs later on, such as cocaine, marijuana, or even meth. Because there have been studies that shown that the nicotine actually changes the way that the brain's um, receptors um, send and receive signals. So that's why the younger they are, the more likely they are to increase their addictiveness just by the way their brain makeup is working. And in fact, if someone doesn't start smoking by the age of 26, they're most likely to never become or even try to smoke or use a vaping product. Secondhand vaping exposure to bystanders is unhealthy air quality. Um, there are things such as um, the nicotine in the secondhand vape. I know this is something new that individuals, I always hear that it's a healthy alternative, but it, just because it doesn't have the smell or the nuisance that cigarettes has doesn't make it a healthier product. Just like when you go into a facility that supposedly has um, air quality filtration system, it doesn't necessarily mean that the, it's a safer air for you to breathe from that secondhand smoke. It just means the nuisance isn't there, but the chemicals are still in the air. And so it's still a health hazard. And vaping devices can also be used for recreation marijuana and the THC oils. And some studies show that non-smoking youth who vape are more likely to try traditional cigarettes in the future than non-smoking youth who don't vape. And so about a year ago when you were hearing about the deaths from the, the vape products, that's because a lot of the liquids were coming from the black market. The other problem with this product is they're unregulated. There's no set licensing or approvals for these products. And so these black markets had other added ingredients that were then causing the lungs to clog up. I know you heard about the, the vitamin E and other things that were in it. So that's why it, it can be associated with so many different health risks whenever they're vaping. Sales of Juul and in the products, they increased, they skyrocketed nearly 800%. That's worth $15 billion from this industry. So whenever they exploded, it just, most of the kids, whenever you look at the data and some of the reports that we have, if they're not juuling, they've at least tried juul. And that's what they're calling it is juuling. So it become kind of like a cool thing of are you juuling? I am. I even had, I remember at the time when this happened, my 12-year-old saw an advertisement outside of one of the stores and says, Mom, what's juul? What's juuling? So that just goes to show you the age that they're targeting whenever they do these things 
because it seems something so simple, but yet it's leading to something so addictive. The Juul, just that one product, had a higher portion of youth and young adult users who were higher in the social economic status. So it didn't matter um, where they were, this was a popular device. It, it, it was because it had very low odor, low vaping, and it was the discrete style. In fact, I had one of our school districts, a, a youth was charging the Juul devices on teachers and librarians' desks because it looked and resembled like a flash drive. And so the teachers were unaware of what this product was. This product allowed the students to use tobacco, uh, this product on campus because they could exhale the vape into their shirt, into their backpack. We all know how um, inventive youth can be whenever they're trying to hide. And that's what also made this skyrocket because they could add flavoring like gummy bears, cotton candy, cherry. So it literally smelled like, like an air freshener. And that's what some of our teachers were thinking they were until we educated and explained to them. There was very little leaking of the product because remember this vapor, whenever they tip it, it can spill over. So there's very little leaking with it, long battery life, lightweight. So this all made it very popular with our youth and young adults. And it wasn't just Juul. You know, they had Blue, Vaz, uh, Mark, Mark 10, all of these were targeting on social media, Instagram. In fact, they're under investigation with the Federal Trade Commission for violating practices of hiring influencers on social media to attract youth and young adults. And it showed because of the skyrocketing in sales and how that was attained. Whenever we look at cigarettes, cigars, spit tobacco, hookahs, all of these products, you saw more of an increase with your e-cigarettes and vape. So we did in Louisiana see a decrease of cigarette users, but the problem was we were seeing the other tobacco products rise. So that said to us that traditional cigarettes they weren't using as much. They were using this smokeless um, spit tobacco as well as the vape products. <clears throat> so let's talk about traditional cigarettes. Whenever we look at traditional cigarettes, we talk about secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke is um, what's coming off of the burning end of the cigarette, but also what a smoker is exhaling. And it's a mixture of chemicals at the burning end of a pipe, cigar, cigarette, any of those. The EPA actually categorized it as a carcinogen, a class A carcinogen, meaning that it was a poisonous gas. There's over well, 4,000 chemicals in the secondhand smoke. We know that 60 of them are proven known carcinogens. And that's why the secondhand smoke, we have to protect individuals from that because that's not their choice that they're inhaling those products. Some of the chemicals that are in there, ammonia, acetone, benzene, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, you know, we hear about these, these um um, gases in other avenues. You know, a while back whenever, uh, not a while back, a couple years now, whenever we had those trailers, the FEMA trailers, formaldehyde smell was in those. 
those were discontinued and weren't any longer used, but it's still in, a prop, in our tobacco products. Whenever we look at ammonia, well, why is ammonia in there? Most people don't realize ammonia is a bronchial dilator, meaning that it will open up your airways that lead to your lungs. Well, what, what does that do? Well, if I'm opening up my airways to my lungs, that means I'm inhaling more smoke, I'm inhaling more nicotine, which is then leading to an increased addiction. So you see where they go with some of the chemicals that are in there and what they're adding. Just minutes after being exposed to secondhand smoke, a person's immune system is weakened, their blood starts to thicken, their heart starts to beat faster. And in fact, non-smokers that are exposed to secondhand smoke for just 30 minutes can experience the same health effects as someone who smoked a cigarette themselves. So for every 30 minutes that someone's in secondhand smoke, it's equivalent to them smoking a cigarette. So if you have a smoker in a, in a home or uh, an individual at a job, and let's say they're in there for about six hours, and then they, you know, are, are removed, how many cigarettes do they just smoke? So if they're there four hours, let's, 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 let's reduce it. Let's just say four hours. I go to work and I'm there for a four-hour shift. I just smoked about eight cigarettes without putting one to my mouth. And that's why secondhand smoke is so dangerous, and we need to try to prevent individuals from being exposed to it. I always encourage my parents, of course, we want you to quit. But we also understand quitting is hard, and we're going to talk about some ways to help individuals quit. But I encourage them, if you can't quit, at least take it outside. Create a smoke-free home. That way the children aren't in the environment and breathing the secondhand smoke in. Same thing for our cars. You know, have a smoke-free car. Because some of the things that can lead to the children is they can have asthma symptoms that are worse. Um, they're three times more likely to develop and have asthma if they're with parents that smoke. And in 2003, asthma accounted for 12.8 million law school days for children. And it cost the United States about $16.1 billion a year in health care costs for asthma treatment. That's why it's important that we try to protect individuals from that secondhand smoke. It can cause bron uh, bronchitis, pneumonia, ear infection, coughing and wheezing. It can cause low birth weight if pregnant women are using tobacco. They can cause low birth weight. And it's also a risk factor for SIDS or SUDS, the sudden infant death um, that we all know about. They're not sure exactly why, but there is a correlation between the two. One of the things that, um, and, and I'm a previous smoker, I'll, I'll, I'll admit to that, but one of the things I always knew is not to smoke around my children. For one, I didn't want to expose them to uh, secondhand smoke. But I also didn't want them to associate their mom as a smoker. In fact, that was one of the reasons I quit is because I was kind of hiding and sneaking around from smoking with them. And I thought, well, if I don't want them to see it, then I have no business doing it. But the one thing I didn't know about was third-hand smoke. Third-hand smoke is the leftover contamination in a room or in your car or on your clothes that persists even after you extinguish the cigarette. 
I was unaware of this. So remember I said I never smoked around my children. However, when I'd go to the doctor, because one had um, chronic bronchitis and one had asthma, and every time we would go, the doctor would ask, is there a smoker in the home? Of course, I didn't want to admit I was the smoker, so I'd say, no, nobody smokes. Because remember, I didn't technically smoke in my home. But I wasn't aware of that third-hand smoke being on my clothes. And so when I would pick up my children, they were still breathing that in. Or if I went back into the home or when I'd smoke in the car, even if they weren't there, it was settling on the car and on the surfaces. And so what happens when those are disturbed, once they settle on the surface, they're disturbed, produced back into the air, which then has someone breathe it in. So that's why if someone smokes in a room and then leaves, and you could come back maybe an hour later, and it still has the smell of the cigarette, that's why. And it's because those chemicals are lingering in that room. Now let's talk about some of the laws that we do have here in Louisiana. One of them is um, Act 838. This went into effect around, I think, 2006. And that meant you cannot smoke in a car with anyone 13 years or under, even if the window is down. And that was put into place because we realized that children sometimes don't have a voice and they needed to be protected because of the increase in illnesses that we were seeing within our state. Now, someone can, um, if, if ticketed, they can get up to a $150 fine and or 100, uh, 150 hours of community service. I'm sorry, 24 hours community service. Big difference. Sorry about that. So that was one of the laws that were put into place. And I know you all all remember this next law, um, the Act 815, that created the smoke-free environment at most public places and workplaces. That was when restaurants went smoke-free, the, the mall went smoke-free, sorry about that, the mall went smoke-free, um, all of these public places. However, we did have some exemptions in that law. Um, the exemptions were bars and gaming facilities. Well, since then, one of the things that that law did do is it lifted preemption. Preemption, what that meant was that local government could not make a law stronger than what the state law was. Well, with that Act 815, that lifted preemption, so that gave local control back to local government. And so I am happy to say that in our state today, we have about 30 communities that have enacted 100% comprehensive smoke-free ordinance as for their local municipality, and they are now 100% smoke-free in all public places. Our latest victory was in Shreveport, Louisiana. So now um, they will go into effect in June of 2021. They allowed a little bit longer for an implementation so the casinos and the bars can get their facilities um, ready but they are our 30th. And I know you know some of the other larger um, cities that have had it. Baton Rouge just celebrated another anniversary of being smoke-free. So that means no matter where you go indoors in Baton Rouge, they will be smoke-free. So that's our bingo halls, our gaming casinos, and as bars as well. We also have New Orleans, uh, Monroe, 
West Monroe, the whole Washington Parish. So there's about 30 um, of those that are smoke-free. And for a comprehensive list, you can always visit our healthieraireforall.org website, and we have a full listing of which communities. One right next door to you guys is here in Lafayette. So right here in Lafayette Parish, um, in, in Lafayette's a little different because it's the city of Lafayette and the unincorporated areas. So, because you remember we have that city parish government. So, but anywhere that you come in Lafayette, the city of Lafayette, bingo halls, all of those, they are smoke-free. So you'll be able to enjoy a night out with friends without having to deal with the consequences of secondhand smoke. Another piece of legislation that happened back in 2009 was the FDA got um, the U.S. Food and Drug uh, were able to set some limits and um, regulate tobacco products. So now they have authority over those products. That was a law back in 2009 that President Obama had signed in, which was really great because it put more um, restrictions and more guidance on the tobacco industry because before it was unregulated. And so um, it did help to put some of those in place. Some of our school campus laws, um, as you know, not only are school campuses um, smoke-free or tobacco-free, I should say, you now have to be within 200 feet of those school campuses' entrances. Um, that was done because we knew that even though there were policies in place, um, some violations were occurring, and we wanted to send a clear message to the youth that tobacco use in any form is dangerous, and there's no safe, uh, there's no risk-free level of secondhand smoke when you're breathing it in. So that sent a clear message. We also did some air quality studies in these communities um, that went smoke-free. And the chart, you can see the air quality in these facilities were at a hazardous level. And then after they went smoke-free, we again measured the air quality in these facilities. And it was just, it had been reduced uh, tremendously by the air particles in the air. So it became much safer. Uh, it went from hazard and unhealthy to clean indoor air for these individuals. Because we have to remember those bar employees that are working in these facilities, local musicians, DJs, they have to breathe this in the whole time that they're at work. And we have some of our musicians that are singers. You know, when you're singing, you're going to take a deep breath in, so they're inhaling more of that. And they're just trying to earn a living. And we say you shouldn't have to put your health at risk to earn a paycheck. And so that means that we need to try and protect all of these workers from the dangers of secondhand smoke. They're actually, these individuals that work in these venues, they're exposed to 300 to 600% more secondhand smoke than any other type of employee because of where they are and what's happening. Employees in other industries are protected from the dangers in their workplace. Yet people who work in bars and gaming facilities, they're still not protected from the harmful conditions. And one of the things I never thought of, we think of these employees, but there's so many different ones, vendors that come in and out. You know, I was at a bingo hall one time and talking with um, the law enforcement who was there. Never thought, you know, they're being exposed to that dangers of secondhand smoke with that work. That's why these smoke-free policies are so important because it protects 
the in, the workers and these um, individuals working in these facilities from that danger. And back in 2007, when Act 15, I remember everybody saying, "Oh, the the no, the restaurants were going to close. No one was going to go out to eat any longer." Whereas it actually had a positive impact on Louisiana's economy, and specifically with restaurants. Um, after the passage of the Act 815, the restaurant industry saw increased revenues of 2.6 million, as well as added another 1,600 new full and part-time jobs as a result of earning the the 20 the 2.6 million. So that just goes to show it doesn't hurt businesses it increases businesses. And according to surveys that we've done, businesses that go smoke-free report lower overhead and maintenance costs. Because you've got to remember, they're, they're wiping walls down. They're having to change um, filters on the air condition. Um, if there's a fire that occurred from someone that placed a cigarette at a wrong um, spot. So all of these, I've actually had a clinic that had a fire because an individual threw a cigarette in the flower bed and caught the mulch on fire outside the clinic. And so all of these, again, all of this is the reason why tobacco-free and smoke-free policies work. It's not a rights issue. It's about improving the health of our community. It's about protecting the public's rights. You have the right to do what you choose when it only affects you and only you will suffer the health consequences. But secondhand smoke is from cigarettes pose and vaping pose a health risk for everyone. And I always use this analogy because it doesn't sound great, but however, everyone understands it when you put it in these terms. Having a no smoking section in a public place is like having a no pee section in a pool. So when you put it in those terms, you understand how the smoke will filtrate to everywhere. Because how do you have a no pee section in a pool? So I think we all understand that analogy. Now let's look at COVID-19 smoking and vaping. What do we know about it? Because you know every day we're learning more about COVID and its ties to other health risk factors. Scientists believe that the main way COVID is spread is through close contact with infected people via oral or nasal secretions. This includes our saliva, our respiratory droplets as we release when we cough, sneeze, or speak. If a person standing next to you is inhaling a cigarette and, and the smoking in your direction, could that habit give you COVID? Well, the answer is possibly. While there are not studies directly um, linking secondhand smoke to the spread of COVID, the same droplets that people spray when they cough, sneeze, or talk are actually exhaled when they um, smoke or vape. And according to a pulmonologist at St. Jude's Medical Center in California, the smaller evaporated particles that are released when speaking or smoking may be transmitted via aerosolization, meaning it stays in the air longer, for a longer time. In May, the World Health Organization, or WHO, stated that smokers are more likely to develop serious disease with COVID compared to non-smokers. 
it's plausible to presume that the, the plume from smoke, which is, com- it com- which is compromised of respiratory droplets, can result in COVID-19 transmission. Another professor was cited in saying that there also is one critical difference between exhaling breath and exhaling smoke. When you breathe through a face covering, you can't smoke through one. Since coronavirus is spread via direct person-to-person contact, activities that include being in close contact less than six feet without a mask on should be avoided, which includes secondhand smoke. The act of smoking requires a person to take their mask off. So this in consideration puts you at a higher risk in an environment for anyone in that vicinity. And we talked about how um, smoking and vaping can cause respiratory illnesses. Well, the Center for Disease Control and the U.S. Surgeon General states that smoking and vaping impacts the lung's ability to fight off infections when you are exposed to COVID-19. Even secondhand smoke is associated with weaker lung function, which is a risk factor for COVID. And one of the studies when I was getting the information to present today, I found an article that stated, among Chinese patients, diagnosed with COVID-19 associated pneumonia, the odds of the disease progression, including death, were 14 times higher among people with a history of smoking compared to those who did not smoke. Those who smoke tobacco, marijuana, crack, vape products, their lung function by introducing particulate matters, toxins, and carcinogens into their lungs increases their, their risk factor to develop COVID as well as suffer um, health effects, uh, dire health effects from COVID. But there's good news. You can quit. So there is help and there is a time to quit. Um, I always hear, oh, well, I'm this age. It's too late now. It's never too late to quit. And it's never too late to encourage someone to help them quit. And the great thing is, is there's free resources to do so here in Louisiana. One of the resources that anyone 13 years or older can qualify for is our tobacco, our quit line. The number is really easy. It's 1-800-QUIT-NOW. And I know on our phones, we all have the letters that go by the numbers. So it's 1-800-QUIT-NOW. It's really simple to share with individuals. They just call. An individual would call that line. They go through an intake process where they ask them some questions, and then they assign them to a behavior counselor. We also have another program in our state called the Trust Services. About 10 years ago, there was a lawsuit that was settled here in Louisiana. The industry had to pay Louisiana money because of the individual's health effects that were happening from tobacco products. That went into a trust, and they used that to help Louisiana residents quit smoking. It is a free service, and whenever you call the quit line, they'll actually refer you to those services. 
Whenever you roll enroll in the trust services, you can actually go somewhere locally. Cardiovascular Institute of the South, you can go there, enroll in their quit smoking program. It's called Commit to Quit. You will get a free doctor visit, free medication, and a free quit coach. That quit coach is going to help you learn some tips and tricks to help you quit smoking, but also stay quit smoking. If the doctor deems you would need the pharmacotherapy portion of it, medication, they would then um, direct you to the pharmacy to obtain that. It's really simple. It's really easy. Whenever you call for the, tr the trust services, you'll go again through an intake process, and then they're going to mail you a benefit packet. In that benefit packet, you will have what looks like an insurance card, and that is what you would bring to your doctor visit as well as your pharmacy to be able to obtain the free medication and free doctor visit and free quick coach counseling. It's really simple. The, you might not have heard about it before because one of the stipulations that were put on the, the services was that they could not advertise. There's always a catch, right? The catch is if Louisiana does not utilize all of that funding by 2022, I believe it's June of 2022, the money then goes back to the industry. I don't want any money to go back to the industry. So I will sing this about quitting smoking to everyone who will listen. The age, you would have had to start smoking between September 1st, 1988. So around 36 is the individuals who are qualifying for the trust services. So 36 and older, you could qualify. But I always encourage everyone to call because you may be approved based on your situation. So I'll always encourage to call. The quit line will also service anyone 13 years or older. We also have a special program uh, uh, set up at the quit line for our pregnant patients because we also understand that we have a high percentage of pregnant women who do use tobacco in our state, and we also have a high infant mortality death rate. So that's why we want to make sure that we get these pregnant women these services. I will send um, Shonda the link and the phone number for all of these quit resources if you didn't have an opportunity to get them down. And we all know how web-based seems to be um, everybody goes to the Internet these days. Well, great thing is, is we also have quit services available online. You would just visit www quitwithusla.gov. So that's quitwithusla.gov. This will also link you to the services that we have available in Louisiana um, to help you. I'm sorry, I'm trying to type it and make sure you have the right address. It didn't look right. think it's .org, not go, yeah, okay, so correction, I apologize about that, typo, but it's quitwithusla.org, so Q-U-I-T-W-I-T-H-U-S-L-A.org, 
So anyone can go to that website and also access Quitline services here in our state. So I know you're probably asking yourself, how can you help? Well, promote these Quitlines. Tell everyone you know at your workplace, at your children's school, at uh, community facilities, at church. People need to know that these quit lines are there to be able to help them quit. You can also support the implementation of stronger tobacco-free worksite policies. You can also support stronger smoke-free communities. Just as I was talking, we had those 30 communities here in our state. You can be an advocate in your community to um, advocate for stronger smoke-free communities. You can let them know you want to be able to visit and go out smoke-free. You can provide education in your community. And you can recruit other supporters and advocates to join in this fight against tobacco. Well, um, that wraps it up for the information. Hopefully I was able to give you a, a broad range of everything that's going around the state with tobacco and cessation and vape and COVID and all of those good things. But I didn't know if anybody had any specific questions that they would like answered or um, if you'd like more information about something. As I mentioned, I will be sending those cessation resources to Shonda along with a map that lets you know of all of our smoke-free communities, how you can get involved, and then some education pieces on vape products. Shonda, I thank you all again for having me on today's call. And I'm ready for any questions, if you have any. Thank you, Renee. That was extremely informative. I'm going to hold. I had some comments, but I'm going to hold those comments until after I let other folks ask questions or make comments. So before I do a general unmute and unleash the chaos upon us, I will <laughs> let those folks, because normally when I hit unmute, that we have an explosion of sound, and then unfortunately people can't get their questions asked and answered. So the way we do this is we'll do a voluntary, is there anyone who has a question or comment for Ms. Stansberry, dial star six. If you have a question or comment for Ms. Stansberry, dial star six. And then if you're trying, so nobody's dialed star six yet. But make sure if you're on a cell phone that after you dial star six, you also haven't hit mute on your phone. Yes, Miss Virginia. She tweets. Let me see if I can help you, Miss Virginia. Let's see. No, I can't help you. Miss Virginia, you were unmuted and then you went back to mute. I don't know if that was on purpose. But we cannot hear you if you're talking. So try star. Miss Johnny, oh, back on mute. <laughs> and it won't let me unmute them. Okay, we do have Mississippi. Someone is calling from Mississippi. You are off of mute. Do you have a question for Miss John uh for Miss Stansberry? I do. Good morning, Dr. Brooks. It's Fabian calling from United Healthcare and uh of course I continue to say thank you for an awesome um, program. Um, my question um, is, do you find that, um, or, or is it true that um, as one new product 
come out, maybe the other product takes a back seat, or, or are they all continuing to keep speed or gain speed with, um, with, with, with the users and the youth? That's a, that's a very good question, and I think the industry, um, there's a reason that they pay their, their marketing and their scientists um, the salaries that they do because I feel as proactive as we are to counter these products, a new one is in line right behind it. Um, so it's just a matter, I, I, think, I think Juul is still out there and is still popular. Um, but now they have these new puff bars. Um, they are actually increasing in popularity because if you look at the cost of these products, the youth have these readily available funds. Even if they have to do like we did in the past and everybody puts up a, a dollar or two dollars and they buy this product and then they share it. And so that's the other concern with the increase in COVID is them sharing these vape products because they can't afford to buy it on their own, but they can afford to buy it as a group. And then whenever you use your hookah, you know, your hookah is a shared session amongst um, the individuals. So that also increases their risk factors. So, yes, the answer to that, I do find that as soon as regulations and um, some leeway or some progress is made on one product, another product is right behind. Because I didn't talk about the new product that's coming about the heat not burn. So this is a product, it, it looks like a little, I guess almost like a computer mouse but smaller. And you put the actual cigarette into that product and it heats it up and you inhale it um, from there. It's not actually burning the tobacco, it's heating it up in a form that allows you to inhale um, that cigarette. That cigarette. Um, it's still producing other chemicals, but yeah, they definitely have products in the line testing to see um, because they don't want to lose their customers. I mean, they're they're having about 440,000 people die each year in the U.S. alone from tobacco products. So that's a lot of customers that they're looking to replace, and that's how they view it, and that's how they look at it. Doctor Boyle, so that answer. That, that answer your question? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Sure. Dr. Brooks? Yes, ma'am. You are unmuted. You have a question or comment? Yes, I do. I want to say thank you for this valuable information. I'm so familiar with the hard work that Renee is doing. Uh, we were on the bandwagon to help Lafayette be smoke-free. I am proud to say that she is such a wonderful, wonderful asset to the community and all the work that she's done in, in our community. So thank you for having her. My name is Hilda Wilkes, and I work closely with Ms. Renee and uh, love the, uh, the cause, smoke-free cause. This is awesome. We've gone to the United States uh, uh, Congress and passed a whole lot of stuff. So we're, we're fortunate, and I'm blessed to have to know Renee and to call her my friend. So thank you, Dr. Brooks, for bringing her and all the information, and I'll be getting that information to continue to pass it on. Have a great day. I was about to say, hey, Ms. Hilda. Hilda Lucia. <laughs> and thank you, Ms. Brooks. 
Dr. Brooks, you're you're awesome. Thanks for the work you do. Thank you. Have a, have a great you. day. You too, Ms. Thank you for the work you do. I see that Ms. Johnny is unmuted. Ms. Johnny, do you have a question or comment? Yes, it might be a question or comment. I have a question for the young lady giving the uh, information. I would like to know what does she think about the uh, cannabis that's coming up, the legal cannabis. Is that smokable also, or is it just in gummies or, you know? No, I'm definitely not the expert for the cannabis. Um, I can really only speak to the THC that's being added into the vape products. I don't know a whole okay. lot about the the CBD oils and all of those products that are now. That is definitely an industry that is ever-changing daily, um, daily with new regulations, with new products that's coming out. Um, but that might be a topic that Shonda can work on. Um, I can probably, probably help her get someone on a, on a call that could probably speak to that a lot better than I could. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, because, Thank you, Miss Johnny. Uh, because go ahead. I say because they're growing, they're growing the cannabis everywhere now. So I'm just wondering. And, and that's definitely like, like Renee said. What we'll do is we'll we'll get somebody to come on. So I actually know a lot about this topic because my father and and elderly people are taking a whole lot of medication that in right. some cases, especially especially a lot of pain meds that can be safely replaced. Matter of fact, um, yes. I've been talking to him, and I've been talking to him about um, uh, THC and, 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 and the legal medicinal marijuana. He's up in Arkansas, and I had been talking to him about it because he takes a lot of pain meds that just puts him out, like just knocks him out. And so I've been talking to him about entertaining medicinal marijuana, and he had shrugged me off for a long time. Well, after his two weeks, three weeks in the hospital, he actually, you know, said maybe he would entertain the conversation. And when he went to see his doctor, his doctor told him that he might want to entertain that conversation. But I think that, like Renee said, that we should get an expert because I'm not an expert. Um, I'm well-versed in it just because I'm always interested in anything that's natural um, that can take the place of or be just as effective as some chemicals or, or some certain medications. So I'll get with Renee, and um, we'll get somebody to come on in October because our September calendar is full. But thank you for that. Those is, this is the type of thing that we need. We want to bring you relevant information to help you all where you all are at, but I won't know that if you guys don't speak up. So thank you, Ms. Johnny. I've already made a note that we will definitely bring somebody back who can talk about medicinal marijuana. We're not going to, you know, we're going to talk about CBD yeah, and, because, and all of that, but that's what the real Because I, is. I, definitely, I, def, I definitely want it if it stops the pain. I want some. And, and, it, and, and like Renee was talking about, the smoking and stuff is, is that's why America is just having a hard time with COVID because we have so many smokers and so many unhealthy people that are taxed. But there are ways to utilize medicinal marijuana in various forms that does not require right. you to inhale and to cause that damage. But I do need to get with Renee and, and to get with some professionals who can give us some guidance. So look forward to that coming in October. Thank you very much, Ms. Johnny. 
Do there do are there any other questions, concerns, or comments? All right, I'm going to just do a general unmute, and I'll try to, if you have a question, I'll try to grab, grab you before I mute everyone else. Uh, so I'm going to do a general unmute. I'll ask you once again to just check your background. If you're fussing at your husband or you're talking to your boss, <laughs> we're, we're about to hear all, all of that. We're going to hear that now, so I'm going to unmute us all. Are there any questions to... for Miss Renee? And I'm going to uh, bring right, someone I'm in. Mute. I'm going to put mute back <laughs> on because they got to bring someone in. So mute all again. I'm going to unmute Miss Renee, and hopefully, I am not on mute. Renee, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right, good. One time it was just, a, I talked about seven minutes to myself. Renee, we want to thank you so much for joining us. I, I just absolutely love the analogy of the no pee section in a pool. We've always <laughs> talked about that uh, when we go to, and, and like you, I was a smoker too up until um, 15 years ago when I just put down a cigarette and quit cold turkey and then had to fight to and constantly have to fight with the how do I deal because a lot of smoking or my smoking uh, probably was stress related and then it became habitual and then when I quit smoking I put on a ton of weight and I'm still constantly fighting with that because it was comforting that cigarette was comforting to me and then I, I recognized like after about three months and 50 pounds I recognized that I was just putting things in my mouth to, to out of habit instead of that cigarette I was overeating and so that became a, an issue on how to manage those two things but eventually I was able to get a handle on it and talk about the difference that it made but it was like what you said about your kids you're hiding to smoke cigarettes from your kids and um or you're smelling smoky, or you're constantly having to take a break because you need to go outside and have a cigarette. And it really became control of my life, and I'm the type of person that I, I want to be in control. And one day I realized that I wasn't in control anymore when it came to cigarettes, and I literally just one day just said, I'm not going to do this anymore, and I stopped. And it was not an easy thing. Your body does become addicted to the nicotine uh, and to this day, 15 years without a cigarette, if somebody smokes a cigarette near me, I still get an urge to smoke after 15 years. I still cannot be around a whole lot of smoke. Um, and there have been times in the 15 years when I have considered purchasing a pack of cigarettes. I'm not going to lie. I have not. And, and Shonda, and that's a then that's the thing because your brain remembers it. And I can be in situations that I will almost catch myself saying, give me a cigarette, but then I'm like, wait, I quit. And we actually heard from Rick Bender. He was a tobacco user with Spit Tobacco. He actually is known as the man without a face because of the cancer he suffered and what was removed. And he said still today with the way that his health is, he could still pick up that can of tobacco and start spitting again. And so I just I want to encourage anybody that is going through the quit process 
Um, one of the cessation things that tips that we give them is to suck on a sugar-free mint or one of those toothpicks because you're right, Shonda, it's that hand-mouth fixation habit that, you know, you had. And so that's just a little quick tip that if someone's going through that clip process, sugar-free mint, cinnamon, peppermint, uh, those types of things will help. Thank you. Yes, it, it just was amazing to me how this legal product is is just as addictive as crack. I'll be honest with you, just, just as addictive as crack. Fifteen years without a cigarette, and to this day, I still, like you said, have, if I'm out, I can't be around folks smoking. I cannot be. There was a one day I was just staring at the cigarette, like I would imagine that a crack addict would stare at a piece of crack, and it was it disturbed me that this many years later that thing still, that my body still remembers the feeling and the comfort that we got from a cigarette. So thank you very much. I took some notes uh, about, especially about the vaping at school. I know that we've got some older, we've got a, a, the folks on this call run the gambit. So today we had 18-year-olds from UL all the way up to 80-year-olds. So we've, it runs the gambit. But I think that, especially in South Louisiana, we all are in close contact with young folks. And what scares me is that we can be around young folks who are smoking these jewels, and one jewel is a whole pack of cigarettes. And my concern is, is that they, they inhale this deeper than they do, and the amount of smoke that they exhale when they're vaping. And it has this very sweet smell, so you don't mind being around it. But again, that secondhand smoke, and this, just, like I said, just the sheer volume. So we're all around young people. So whenever possible, just talk to them about uh, smoking. Be, be observant and vigilant when you're watching the young people. It's disturbing to me that a child was able to charge his smoking device at school because we're just not aware. And what's even more disturbing is that we've got a whole industry death peddlers who are targeting our young people and encouraging them to smoke. In Mississippi, and I don't know if that law is here yet, um, uh, Renee, you'll tell me, but yesterday I was listening to the call, September 1 in Mississippi, children who are now in possession of tobacco products, whether it's a vapor or THC, those cartridges, they will now receive a fine. So this is, this is groundbreaking. If the child is in possession of these products, the child will receive the fine. And they just passed that law September 1. I don't, I don't know if we have that law here in, in Louisiana, but when these laws, when you have a good law, it won't be long before I'm sure that Louisiana will, will have that law. But right there in Mississippi, groundbreaking. Now, instead of just parents and everybody else being fined, the actual user will be fined, uh, and that is great because that's, that's helping to stop the industry. Thank you, Renee, for joining us. I do uh, – we are at the 11 – after 11 o'clock. I want to thank all of you all for being on the call. I want to thank the ladies – oh, before – Ms. Renee, do you have anything that you'd like to leave us with before I do our housekeeping and close us out? Uh, no, I was just going to say that I'll check into um, the law. I know at one time they were looking at it, but we, 
we want to penalize the stores that are selling these products because we know that it's an addiction more than we want to penalize the youth. Um, but I can double-check our laws here in the state again because, like I said, it's ever-changing. Thank you. And, I, and I'm, I think I was just so fascinated with that part that they were actually going to charge folks that were in possession of it. I think I over uh, overlooked. I think they are charging the stores for selling it, maybe charging the parents, but don't quote me on that. But I was just hung up on the fact that we would actually charge the, the users. And I understand about, you know, they are addicts and we are kind of penalizing the addicts. But at this point, we need to try to get a handle on it, especially since smoking and lung performance and COVID go hand in hand, and COVID is going to be around for a, a while at this rate. Well, thank you, Renee, for that, and I appreciate you. And we will get together to talk about um, who can we get in October to join me on the call uh, to talk about medicinal marijuana and the various forms so that folks aren't having to, to smoke it and then have a whole other set of problems. So thank you very much. Before we end, I'd like to thank the Ladies in Christ prayer line out of Crowley, Louisiana. Way back in February they or March, they invited me on a call which inspired these calls. So without Ladies in Christ prayer line, can't guarantee that we would be having these calls. And thank you to every single person who reaches out to me to just tell me how beneficial these calls are. We, I need that, and I appreciate you. I'd like to thank United Healthcare Community Plan and Ms. Deborah Jones for their scaffolding that they provide for me. They provide the support. I know that if I fall short in an area and I need something, I can reach out to United Healthcare Community Plan and Ms. Deborah Jones, and they're going to do everything within their power to get it done because they truly are a company that puts people over profit. 